On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. Independence is not about your pride. That independence is about being able to think for yourself, even if it means that other people are not going to like the decision that you make. And independence means being able to take care of yourself. And sometimes within that taking care of yourself, it requires asking for help and tapping into your village. But you have to let go of that ego. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. Our quote of the day, a child's first teacher is its mother. That quote comes to us from China's first lady, Hong Leeuwen. T. Whew. That quote has some pretty heavy implications. A child's first teacher is its mother. What comes up for you when you hear that quote? Girl, I did not expect to get emotional for this episode, but actually what I thought about was my daughter and just what I, I mean, I've, I'm so involved in her life and I, I value our relationship so much. And I'm so eager and excited to be her person. Like the, the, I mean, obviously her dad as well. Right. But like just the, 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 the female figure that she can look up to and confide in and have a safe space, you know, with, I just, I, I think about that and the things that I teach her and yeah, it's true, but it's, I think it's true for the positive and the negative. Right. I think about some of the great lessons that my mom taught me. And we're going to talk about some of those today, but I also think about some of the negative and I want to say self-defeating and and not so positive things that I learned from my mom because I saw those things firsthand. And as I grew up saying to myself, oh, I'm not going to do what my mom did. And I saw that I actually possessed some of those traits, right? So yeah, it definitely... In most cases, it's true, right? I know that everyone has not been raised by their mother and may not have a relationship with their mother, may not know their mother. But I think that when moms are present, oftentimes the moms tend to be those first teachers, especially for young girls. What about you, Don? You know, as you said that, something came up for me that I was thinking about that, like how literally true that is, no matter 
your relationship with your mother because the person, she's the person who gave you life, right? Who, who brought you in, who physically carried you into this world. And so no matter what that current relationship is, she literally was your first teacher, right? So I think about folks who were put up for adoption at birth, right? What the lesson is that they learn, and it depends on everyone's story, right? But there's still a lesson in that. And so no matter your relationship currently with your with the person who gave birth to you, they were still your first teacher. And that's pretty powerful. I would agree. This is going to be a loaded conversation, ladies. So just sit back and get ready. What we're going to do first is we're going to dive into our favorite or fondest memory of us and our mothers, Dom and I. We're then going to talk a bit about the state of the relationships that we have with our moms. And then we're going to talk about the lessons that we learned from our mothers. So Dom, I'll go ahead and go first, girl. Okay. So I was thinking about this, right? As we as we were preparing for the episode, I feel like I can't get my words out today, y'all. I was thinking about this as we were preparing for the episode. And I thought back to a handful of memories, right? But this one in particular really shines bright for me. And it was years ago when I was in Philly. I think it was it was sometime before 2019 and my mom and I were hanging out and I was driving and Kanye West and Jamie Foxx, the song came on the radio, right? Gold Digger, right? And my dad who passed away, he used to love the song. And so my mom and I were in the car and I was rapping Kanye's part and my mom was ad-libbing and I actually recorded it. It was such a wholesome, like even when I look at the video on social media, I think I posted it years ago. It was such a wholesome moment. So I'm like, you know the song, right, Dom? So I, I, I love know it. Yeah, you know the song. <laughs> so I'm like rapping my part. You know, she was supposed to buy a shorty Tyco with your money. She went to the doctor, got light bulb. I'm singing the, the whole song, right? And she's doing her part and we're laughing and we got so much feedback. It's so funny. I didn't post it for social media, but we got so much feedback and people were just like, wow, I'm so happy to see this moment, you know, of YouTube yeah. based on like our story and the past and all that. So it was such a really great moment. And I, I still smile about it today despite where we might be today with our relationship, it's something that is wholesome, that makes me happy. And it is a very fond memory. So that is my my favorite memory at this point. What about you? You know, at first I was like, well, I don't know. And then when I gave myself time to like kind of really sit and really think about it, I think I have multiple fond memories, right? And A lot of those fond memories are, so there's one set of memories that centered around the holidays and how my mom was really good about helping us create these traditions. So, and I remember at the time not being a fan of this shit, right? So (laughs) I remember at the time because we were Catholic and we would go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve leading into Christmas morning. And when we were younger, halfway through the day, she would make us take a nap so that we would be awake for midnight mass. And I just remember being at a certain age, like around 11, like, I'm too grown for a nap. Like, I don't need no nap. No, And and knowing full well that I would like end up falling asleep during mass if I didn't get that nap in, right? Because I'm not normally up at midnight. But 
I, I distinctly remember that, right? And then what also comes along with those memories are the drives from our house to my grandparents' church where we would go to midnight mass. And we would be sing like around the holidays. We my mom would play like Mariah Carey's Christmas album and like Harry Connick Jr. because he's from New Orleans and like and play and have all this Christmas music, this holiday music. And so for me, that's like a lasting fond memory because to this day, around the holidays, like I have to have holiday music and it just brings out this joyfulness to have that holiday music. So that's like one set of like really fond memories. And then the other set is like around my mom hosting sleepovers for us. So our house, you know, we had five kids in the house. So there was always room. Like my best friend would come and spend summers at my house. Like, and, but then periodically my mom would host sleepovers and I think she probably started when I was like in like third grade or something. Like our house would be the house where everybody would come over and we would watch movies. And then she would like be really good at like telling us these scary stories. And, and so the sleepovers were the thing, you know? And, and so it's like, those are the types of things from childhood that like stand out. And that when I think about who I, how they shaped who I am as an adult. Now, lady, you know, this is a grown woman podcast, okay? And chances are, if you're an avid listener, you know we get a little blatchy over here. We get bougie, classy, and we get ratchet. So today's sponsor should not come as a surprise. Uber Lube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little bit of vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether alone or with a partner. And if you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body safe ingredients and nothing beats Uber Lube. Y'all, I done tested this out myself and let me tell you, it's A1, okay? It's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, or anal. There's no flavor or scent. It's latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. And Uber Lube even works underwater, making it great for fun in pools, hot tubs, the bathtub, all that good stuff, okay? Right now, Uber Lube is offering Cultivating Her Space listeners a special offer, 10% off and free shipping when you use our code herspace at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code herspace at uberlube.com. All right, let's dive back in. You made me think of some more stories, Don, but I love that you told, when you share those stories, I felt like I was going back in time, kind of like trying to envision those moments. And it just feels so, just so wholesome and beautiful. And it's like, you get that nostalgic feeling like, oh my gosh, the good old days, right? We did sleepovers too, girl. We used to do like the pedicures and we'd have all the snacks. And the one thing I have to share y'all is that my mom and dad, they used to pick us up from school early sometimes and we would go to Red Lobster. This was like in elementary school. So we, my sister and I thought we was the shit, okay? Because we were going to Red Lobster in the middle of the day and they would bring us back to school after. And it was just such a vibe. We were like, oh my God, bad chick at school, you know? So yeah. Good times, right? I love that you share those. So yeah, lady, think about your memories that you might have, right? What memories do you have with your mom or your mother figure or the you know the person that raised you? I know for me, 
I've been very vocal on the podcast, Dom, like you know this about the fact that my mom and I are estranged today. And although I do miss the good times and there are beautiful parts of her, there is there are many reasons, should I say, that I'm unable to be in touch and you know, in relationship with her today. And it all really, really boils down to what supports my mental health and peace. And I'm really proud of myself because I was a people pleaser for so long and had a hard time saying no and setting boundaries. And today I just move very differently. Like my, my mental health is my priority. And with all, you know, I say all that to say, regardless of what our relationships are with our moms today, I believe that we can learn something from them, right? If mom wasn't there, maybe you learned something from, you know, another figure, whether it was grandmother. I know my grandmother was very active in my life, or maybe it was like a foster parent or someone else that was there with you. So I just, yeah, I think that that's important to say before we dive into these lessons. Oh, another thing that I want to say, although we're going to dive into some of the the lessons, but also maybe some not so positive experiences that taught us lessons, I will say, and I've said this in other episodes, I appreciate and I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had because it really did make me who I am. And I wouldn't have those lessons and the resilience that I have if it wasn't for you know, the abuse that I endured, right? Or the, the adverse situations. And so not to excuse the behavior by any means, but me as an individual, like I'm grateful for my holistic experience because it does inform how I mother today. And I think that's important to point out, right? Like the, the power of healing and doing the work to heal, right? Because I think not doing that work will prevent you from being in the space where you can see the benefits from even the negative situations, right? And so lady, if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm estranged from my mom or I'm holding XYZ resentments towards my mom, I I highly encourage you to do the work to heal. And, you know, as a therapist, I automatically say that therapy is is a way to heal. But I also recognize that therapy is not the only way to heal. And so identifying what the work, what it looks like for you to heal, what you need to do that work and do the work. It's not easy, but it's important for you as an individual to be in your healthiest space. And so, you know, I think about my own relationship with my mom and I think, you know, when I reflect, I do believe that my relationship with my mom is not uncommon. That mothers and daughters have complex relationships and they have ebbs and flows. Because I was the parentified child and the eldest child, as a kid, it felt like I was my mom's confidant, right? And I will, you know, I definitely acknowledge that my mom was pretty open-minded. And that we'll get into that in as we talk about the lessons. But what that what that made for was a space where I felt comfortable bringing things to her and my friends felt comfortable bringing things to her that they didn't feel comfortable bringing to their own moms. 
right? And I'm grateful for that. But I also know that our relationship has evolved over time. And we have had periods of time where we did not speak to one another. And there have been, for me, most of that really has been about me taking care of myself. Because T, like you, and I've talked about this on the podcast as well, about being a people pleaser, right? And being in a space where I've said, okay, well, I'm going to, even though I don't like this, I'm not going to speak on it. I'm going to continue to allow this to happen to keep the peace, right? Meanwhile, I'm the one who internally is not feeling good, right? And so I had to get to a space where I made the decision. And again, some of this is lessons that I've learned from her of, I needed to take care of me and I, and part of taking care of me meant speaking up for what I believe in and what I needed. And there have been points where that has been contradictory to who my mom is and what she wanted or what she needed. And that's okay. And being in a space of recognizing that that's okay. I think the other part of my my journey has also been getting to a space of acknowledging that every mother-daughter relationship is going to look different. Recognizing that my sisters each have their own unique relationship with my mom, right? And their relationship is their relationship. And that's okay. And and also recognizing that if you are not getting that mothering need met from the, from your mother, that there are other spaces where you can get that need met. And I am grateful that even when my mom and I were in good spaces, like where our, when our relationship was in a good space, I have always had mother figures around that I could always lean on. I love that, Dom. I think that was beautifully stated. And I think it's important to state that there is hope if you don't have a relationship with your mom or you don't have that energy or that energy. Is that what I'm going to say? Hold up. Yeah, yeah. The mother energy, y'all. It's been yeah. a long day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me. But yeah, if you don't have that mother energy, I was like, wait, what happened? But yeah, if you don't have that, it's important to say like there is hope. So lady, as you're listening and you don't have that we do have other content, so go check out some of our other episodes. Today, we're going to focus on the lessons that we've learned from our mothers, but we have done so... I mean, girl, we have 200 plus episodes now. you got to go yes. into the archive. You yes. can literally search for mom or mother or mommy and put our podcast name in Google, and you'll see some of those episodes come up. But thank you so much for touching on that, Dom. I guess we should dive into the lessons, which I'm so excited about. So, yes. number one... The one, one of the lessons that my mom taught me when I was younger was be aware of your surroundings. This was one of those street smart lessons. I mean, she was telling us like, lock your doors. As soon as you get in the car, I still do that to this day. I go to the gym in the morning and I have to walk through some like sketchy areas and it's pretty dark because it's like, you know, five or five thirty six in the morning or so. And so I'm like, my head is on a swivel. I don't have headphones in. 
I ain't listening to shit, but what's around me. So I'm steady looking around, got my mace ready in my, in my hand. Like I'm, I'm aware, you know, because she always taught us that when we were young, like be aware of your surroundings. She used to always tell us these vivid stories from her life and they were so intriguing and chocked with so so many lessons and tips on just being on point and, you know, little, just little pro tips. Like if you go into a room, try to have your back against the wall so that you can observe, you know, where the exit is and who's coming in and your, your back is against the wall so that no one can like sneak up behind you, right? Like you're just observing everything that's around and just trusting your gut and your intuition and just being on point. So that was one of the lessons that my mama told me, Dom. Can you relate to any of that as your, does that resonate with you? Yes. As you were saying that, I thought about that, like of that lesson of, and I think it's a common lesson in black communities, right? Mm -hmm. Of locking your doors, right? Yes. And we, particularly if you live in an urban environment that you lock your car doors as soon as you get in, but you also keep your house door locked, right? Like. I remember when we, like, I wasn't one that really played outside like that. My siblings were. But, like, it was like, you know, in addition to the not going in and out, you know, because not letting the air conditioning out and all that, right? But more so, if you're not right in front of the house, like, that door needs to be locked. Like, because we ain't taking no chances on somebody coming in. And, yes, you when we're when we're walking to and from the bus stop, like, Keep your head on a swivel. Make sure don't walk places alone. Like take one of your siblings with you. Let someone know where you're going. Like those things are were super important about the awareness of your surroundings. Because I think also at the time when I was coming up in the early 90s, New Orleans was labeled as like the murder capital of the world. So it was considered a pretty dangerous space to be in at that time. So that was a really important lesson of like being aware of your surroundings. But part of being aware of your surroundings also included this lesson that I, that my mom taught us about the importance of having a village, right? So my mom is one of five siblings and so one of, or one of five kids. And so, and for a good part of my life, like, all of them lived in the same area. We never lived more than 15 minutes from my grandparents' house. And, and so there was constantly a village. I remember being in elementary school where it was carpooling with, you know, one of the church members taught at our school, taught at the elementary school that my sister and I went to. So Sometimes we would ride to school with her and her kids, right? And it was, and then there was one neighborhood where we lived in where I was like, well, this lady too damn nosy, but in as an adult, it it makes sense that there was a there were a couple of neighbors who knew everybody's whereabouts, you know, like they legit were the neighborhood watch. And like, as a teenager, yes, I felt like she was nosy as hell and was like, why she all up in my business? Why she knows stuff that I don't think my mama need to know. But as an adult, I get the importance of that because my mom was a single parent. And when she's having to work and leaving us at home, it's important to have people in the neighborhood who she could rely on 
that could keep an eye out for us so that she knew we were safe. So I think that importance of like having a village and to this day, whenever I move, I, that's one of the things that I work on is cultivating a village around me so that when I, whenever I'm in need, I have a village. I love that. That is such a great life hack in general, Dom, because a village, I mean, we've all, most of us have heard that growing up, right? It takes a village to raise a child and it really takes a village. I feel like for all aspects of life, right? Whether you're moving into a new area, like you said, and you need to find your people. So I love that you share that. And it's funny, as you were talking about the person that was, that went to your church, was a teacher and the neighbor, all I heard was y'all couldn't get away with nothing because they was all in y'all business. The family members 15 <laughs> yes. minutes away. You know how it was back in yes. the day where the, the, I don't know if this was your generation, Don, but my, my uncles and them would talk about this where the neighbor would like, you know, would whoop the kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that whoop, wasn't your us. Neighbor, that wasn't yeah, us. yeah. That, I think mm-hmm. that might have been we right was, before us. We was behind. Us. Yeah. We was right behind. before us. That lady yeah, might have like, tried it. But okay. Mm-hmm. But I, it yeah. wasn't going down. But yeah, okay. it's just the, vil- the village aspect though, right? So important. So my next tip is just, I'm going to say it's like an umbrella tip, y'all. It's just life skills in general. And I thought this was all normal until I met some women in college who weren't raised with their moms and they were just like, they weren't taught some of these things. And I was like, oh damn, I'm really grateful for this. So for me, cooking, I come from a family of cooking women. They know how to throw down in the kitchen. Okay. I'm talking, I'm talking mac and cheese. I'm talking cornbread. I'm talking yams, collard greens. Okay. Pig feet chitlins. I don't make the, I don't do the pig feet chitlins no more, but like that's what we were raised on. You know, the, the, the good Southern food, y'all. So yeah, cooking yeah. women, you know, you're like, my, I, I ain't full of it. But knowing how to make your own meal, cleaning, hustling. My mom was a hustler and still was a hustler, right? Entrepreneurship. I saw her and my dad have various businesses, balancing mom life and career and just being independent in general. One of the things that my grandfather taught my mom that I was also taught was, Never depend on a man for anything. Like have your own money. Wherever, whether you're going on a date with somebody, you always have a way out. So whether it's your money on the side, whatever it is, you always have your own. And I'm so grateful for all those lessons because it really made me who I am today. A couple other little pro tips that kind of go under life skills, prepping my clothes for the week, which I still do today for me and the baby, which is so convenient. So our clothes are picked out for the week. Now this is going to be a little old school, y'all, but y'all remember... Back in the day when we go to church and they, my grandmother and mom would always make sure we had a slip on under our dress and some stockings and some stockings and some shorts. Sometimes you had to wear shorts too. I was like, God damn, don't nobody know about slips these days. Okay. And then also cleaning behind your ears. That was like a big thing. Like clean behind it. Make sure you clean behind your ears. Make sure you don't have no ear wax in here. Those are like all the little life skills and and little tips. (laughs) Listen, lady. Okay, y'all. So I'm going to put this out here. I don't think, I think I kept slips in my drawer up until 35, maybe until up until I was 35. Um, I just wore one the other day. I don't wear them. (laughs) I wear, no, no, I, I wear the new, the modern slips, Spanx. That's, that's, that's the new slip for me, but, and I don't wear stockings, but 
Uh, yes, yes, that is a life skill. That is one of those life skills that I distinctly remember, particularly for church, right? That was the main thing. You were going to church. Any time where you had to wear your Sunday's best, I don't even know if children know what Sunday's best is these days. I don't know. But, but yeah, that those were one of those life skills. And like the thing about the prepping for the week, yes, those life skills were important because, and we wore uniforms to our uh, to school. And so we like, that was key for prepping for the week. Like you made sure your uniforms were ironed and ready to go for the whole week. Now I will say my siblings, they don't be ironing. I don't know. I don't understand, but I still keep an iron and, and I've upgraded and have a steamer. So it's rare you're going to catch me wrinkled in these streets. So <laughs> I, yes, that that's one of those life skills. Yes, that I did learn. And I think for me, the, the big the lesson within that, though, was just about how to cook and clean. Right. So learning and for me at living by myself. Y'all have heard me share on episodes before that I don't really cook. Now, let's be clear. I know how to cook. I just don't really do it because how I grew up, I, a lot of the things that I learned to cook, I learned to cook for in big portions. So sometimes when I, when I really get in there and cook, I'm ending up with lots of leftovers. So unless I'm putting it in the freezer, like it might go to waste because it's just me in here. But I, I know how to cook. I remember in high school, it was either junior or senior year in high school, I hosted a Friendsgiving and I cooked that turkey. Like, so I, so I know how to cook. I also know how to clean. Y'all have also heard me talk about how my life is made easier because I have a cleaner. Like the cleaning lady just left earlier today. I know how to do it. It saves me time to have someone else come and do it. But the key is that I know how to do it. And that, and the other thing that's important with that is that even though I might pay someone else to do it because I know how to do it, I'm not going to get taken advantage of because I know what it should look like. I love that girl. And you are speaking facts. I mean, it's important to know how to do it, even if you don't do it on a regular, because if the person... If the cl- cleaning person can't come and you might have a guest coming. It's like, all right, I know what to do. I know how to get on my hands and knees to scrub this floor, get my Windex and my paper towel. You know what I mean? Or your Windex and your newspapers, if you really know. Oh, if you if really you know, know, you know. If you, yes. Yo, when's the get last time you seen a newspaper? All right. All right. Anyway, on to, on to the next lesson. The next lesson is that education is paramount. Oh my gosh. In our household, my mom had an at-home curriculum first. So we went to school, right? We weren't homeschooled. We went to school and we also had an at-home curriculum that included reading competitions, studying the Bible and reading different books in the Bible or books of the Bible. Um, I still literally know all the books of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament in order to this day, because I know one day I'm going to have to, I was like randomly just going to do it for, isn't that great? Because it's so ingrained. My sister and I were on the phone recently and we just like, we we're like, girl, you still remember the books of the Bible? We're like, mm-hmm. Because we learned it as a kid and it just stuck. So that, we were in like spelling bees. We did all these reading challenges. So we, my parents did not play. My mom especially did not play about us really 
using our brain. And she would always say like, it's not just about the looks, like you gotta, you gotta have some brains, brains and beauty. Right. And so we were very, very serious about education in my household. I would say we were also, yes, we were also pretty serious about education. My mom was really big on spelling and grammar. So that's probably where I, that not probably, that is definitely where I got that from. Like, I don't play about the spelling and the grammar. And when I make a mistake, like I noticed someone pointed out to me the other day that I had a mistake on my link tree. And I was like, so utterly embarrassed because that was something that was <laughs> drilled into me about being, making sure that things are spelled correctly and that you are using proper grammar. So yes, education is, was, is really important. Um, I think in our household, it was at a minimum, you graduate high school, like college ain't for everybody, but you better graduate from high school. And all of us did graduate high school. I think the, the lesson, the next lesson for me was about independence, right? And I know that earlier I said there was a lesson in the importance of having a village. But what I learned is that it is important to also be able to take care of yourself, right? Growing up, I noticed that there were various points where my mom struggled with like paying the bills, right? But then there was also this thing of like, well, she's going to figure out how to make it happen. Right. And the lesson that I took away from that is that independent what independence really looks like. That independence is not about your pride, that independence is about being able to think for yourself, even if it means that other people are not going to like the decision that you make. And independence means being able to take care of yourself. And sometimes within that taking care of yourself, it requires asking for help and tapping into your village. But you have to let go of that ego. And so I think that for me, that is the biggest lesson within independence is that independence and and ego are not synonymous. That is so powerful, Don. That is a whole word right there. And I would definitely agree with that. And I think that kind of goes back to what my what my grandfather and my mom were, you know, teaching me as I grew up. But I, I do believe that the asking for help piece, that's so important too. Like independent enough to ask for help when you need it, right? Like that's part of knowing yourself and being aware of, you know what, I need some goddamn help over here. So yes, I would definitely agree with that. I would say for me, the next lesson is just keeping up with my appearance and taking care of myself as a woman. I've always been a girly girl, y'all. I remember literally being a toddler and having chapstick and a little pocketbook, probably because my mom, she used to always keep us matching and having our hair done. We used to get our hair done. I mean, since we were just younger, like everything just super girly and little prissy. Like that's, that was, that's been me, y'all, from day one. So still that way, manis and petties, having a tidy home, smelling good, wearing perfume that was big in my household, good hygiene, dental appointments, and just valuing health in general. Those were all really important. I will say though, someone reached out to me, a girl I went to college with years ago, and she said something like, yeah, girl, like you always 
that you've been through so much, like you always make it look good. And I was like, well, shit, I need to just be telling y'all what's going on behind the scenes because I'd be a hot mess a lot of the time. So I, for me, I thought that although I do value, you know, how things look on the outside, I think the most important part is how they look on the inside. So although the looks are cool, I really want to make sure I'm like happy on the inside and not just displaying this image that this false image of reality, you know, so I really think it's important to have internal peace because what I learned in my household was that we were big on portraying a certain image. One of my mentors used to say that we kind of look like the family on the fan at church. You know, I used to that little family and they just got the perfect family, but behind closed door, Satan was living up in the house with us. Like it was just, hey, all hell was breaking loose at home. But on the outside, everybody's looking nice for church. Everybody's smiling in pictures, but shit really ain't good, you know? So that's that's a lesson there too. Two lessons there. Those are important lessons, right? Of I love what you said about the taking care of your inside more so than the outside, right? And then this this image maintenance, right? That we that we engage in. And I think that there's a lot of us that can relate to that, this need to maintain a certain image. I think for me growing up, like as you were talking about, like keeping up your appearance, my mom, I remember that was something that was important to us or is important to my mom. But what what's coming up for me in terms of the memories, it was centered around church, right? And that our hair was done, church and school. So we got our hair done for holidays and we would always get new outfits for holiday, major holidays. My, my personal preference was Easter because we got two outfits for Easter. You got that new, you got that new church outfit and then you got that fly. It's springtime after church fit. And since I can, as far back as I can remember, that was something that was always important to, to my mom. And even if she couldn't afford it, she might've been making dresses. So like I go back and look at some of those photos and we could tell the dresses that the time where she was like, she had that sewing kit and she was making stuff. Right. Now I will say like, I remember as a kid being like lightweight embarrassed, like why are we wearing this homemade, this homemade ass dress? Like this, but the skill of knowing how to sew. Independence. Right. Right. <laughs> so like if I ever I mean, like in high school, I hemmed my own skirts like because I felt things was too long. But, <laughs> but and I taught my friends how to do it, how to hem their skirts. Like I made some pillows like I cut like I bought some pillows and like bought the fabric and covered the pillows. Still have those pillows to this day. Like so it's it's those life skills that are important. Right. I think in terms of like taking care of yourself as a woman, the lesson, the bigger lesson that comes up for me is my mom's openness to conversations about sex. So this goes back to what I was saying when I referenced earlier about how my friends would come and have conversations with my mom that they didn't feel comfortable having with their own moms. So my mom held the philosophy that she would rather us come to her to have these conversations, then learn it from somewhere else. I'm a wholehearted believer in that as well, that parents parents should feel comfortable enough to have the conversations about sex. Like I remember being eight and having a conversation about periods with my mom. I wasn't even there. Like 
My my first period didn't. I was a late bloomer, so my first period didn't come till like I was fourteen. But we started that conversation at eight, right? Like started that conversation about our about my body, and so having and we probably started sooner than that. But that's the earliest memory that I can recall. And so when different things came up throughout my life regarding sex. I felt comfortable going to her to have those conversations. Like the first time I had sex, like I felt comfortable going to her and saying, all right, it's about that time we go to the gynecologist and we need to start talking about birth control because I didn't had sex. Now, I didn't give her no details because she needs to know all that. But, but I did feel comfortable enough to go to her to let her know that it was happening. And so I've always tried to be that, right? Like I try to be that for my nieces. And then as my nephews get, you know, get ready to have those conversations, like I've tried to set that foundation. And my research in graduate school was centered around sexual health and sexuality. So in sex education. So that to me, having those conversations, being open to having those conversations was was a big lesson. That is so important, Dom. I love that you pointed that out. It's so important as parents and really as mothers to be to to, to create that safe space for your children or the children that you are under your I want to say tutelage, right? Or the children that you that you're monitoring or the folks that you're mentoring to to create that safe space because you know when they go out to their friends, they getting they get into BS most of the times or what they friend had saw on social media or YouTube or whatever. So I love that your mom created that space for you. I will say that my mom did do that in some instances. And we did have those conversations about body and, you know, using the correct terminology for our bodies and being open. But I feel like there's something shifted. And my sister and I were thinking about how at one point it was like, you know, she would say, y'all can come and tell me stuff. And then we come and tell them that we get in trouble or she snap. And we're just like, well, God damn, we ain't going to tell you nothing no more. So I was right. like, at a certain point we had to, we had to calm down on sharing stuff, but I love that you, that you shared that. But I will say my next tip for my mom is definitely a good one. Y'all so get ready for this. She said, don't shit where you sleep. Now, I forget what age I was when she said this, but I think at first I was like, wait, why would you shit in the bed where you're sleeping? That's so weird. But no, no, she had to break. I know, I know. She had to break it down. Yeah, it's pretty I was like, that's I real trifling. You gonna shit in the bed? You gonna shit in the bed? What the fuck? <laughs> no, she broke it down for me and talked about having a good reputation, especially where you live and work. And that has really saved me, I think, throughout my career. I remember even when I was in college, like I wasn't fucking on nobody at, you know, in college, when I was at college, no judgment if you did, lady. I'm just saying that was my experience. I was approved for the first few years of college. And then when I did start, you know, mm-mm-mm, did start getting out there, my boyfriend lives in another state. And then when I did, you know, if I did decide to do something with someone, it was like way after after school. You know what I mean? So trying to just keep that reputation. It's a little interesting these days with social media, but that was a valuable lesson of like, yo, I'm not going to cross the boundaries at work or in these certain settings I have to be in because it could come back to bite you later. So that was very valuable for me. I think that is an important lesson of figuring out discernment and discretion. I think those, those are the two words that come up for me when I think about that, because I also want to acknowledge that for some folks, 
like when we think about the law of attraction and this concept of who you're most likely to be attracted to is this concept of mere exposure, right? That you are more likely to be attracted to the people that you see and interact with on a regular basis. So you are going to be, if you're in school, in college, you are going to be attracted to the people that you're in classes with or that are in your dorm, right? And when you're in a workplace setting and you don't get a chance to get out and socialize a whole lot, you are going to naturally be attracted to the people that you are working with on a regular basis, right? And so I want to acknowledge that that is a normal thing that comes up for folks. But the key in that lesson, that that statement that your mom made is about discernment and discretion. And um, I, you are speaking facts right now, but I just wanted to say really quickly, I didn't make good decisions all the time. Like I definitely had my whole phase and I, I met my husband in grad school too. So let me, don't get it twisted. I wasn't like squeaky clean, but like in undergrad, for the most part, that was like, that was my experience. So just had to put that out there. But yes, discretion and discernment. That's the thing. You you use discernment and discretion in determining that it was okay for you and your husband to date. Like that, I think that that's the biggest lesson out of that piece, right? Is discernment and discretion. So the thing that I also learned from my mom is speaking your mind. Now, I know I also earlier talked about being a people pleaser, right? But what I learned from her is that she had no problem speaking her mind. And I'm going to come back and use those words, discernment and discretion. What I observed is that there were moments where I believed she didn't have the best discernment and discretion on when she was speaking her mind. But the, the takeaway, the key takeaway from that is that she did not have a problem standing up for herself, right? And as a people pleaser, that was hard to watch all often. But now as an adult and a reformed people pleaser, I practice good boundary setting. And part of good boundary setting is about communicating those boundaries. And so I speak up when I believe it's important to set a boundary. I also speak up when it's important for my opinion or thoughts to be put out there. So I'm not going to always like I can be in conversation with someone and I might just listen. That's part of the skills of being a good therapist is that I listen. But if I believe that it's important for me to speak up in that moment, I will, I've learned from my mom that put your words out there, make your, make your thoughts known. And I think that that's an important skill to have in combination with discretion and discernment. Amen to that girl. Our mom might, our moms might be sisters, girl, because I remember some instances, child, where she, okay, years ago, long, long time ago. We were in Popeye's and I remember her getting in this old white man's face and like she was so close to it, like had her finger on his face. I was just like, oh shit. So, I mean, it was like, it was a little, I mean, she was definitely spoke up for herself and I took some lessons from that, but I feel like I was not as outspoken, but she empowered us to do that when like someone made us feel uncomfortable or, you know, she would advocate for us and like, you know, 
when our teachers were out of pocket. But the yes. funny thing is sometimes the speaking up for ourselves didn't apply when it came to speaking up for ourselves well, of to her. Of, of course. course I already knew where you were going. <laughs> you're like, you're of, like, course of course. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how it works, right? So my last lesson, Dom, that I'll like close off on is child rearing in general. And so two big lessons I remember my mom teaching when we were younger, because I have, you know, seven siblings. I helped raise my four younger siblings. And so I watched my siblings be born. And I saw a lot of this ever since I was eight years old. And so she was always adamant about not doing any baby talk with the babies. So we did not play that baby talk. She's like, is that how you want them to really talk? No. So we talked to them as if they already understand, which I've experienced with my daughter. It is worked magic because she definitely yes. understands us. And then the importance of breastfeeding. I did get to see yes. my mom breastfeed my siblings. And, you know, I feel blessed that I was able to, you know, breastfeed my daughter for 16 months. And we had a beautiful breastfeeding journey. And the health benefits were just so great. And because I saw that when I was younger, when I, you know, knew that I was pregnant in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to breastfeed, right? I was just manifesting and assuming that everything would be great with my milk supply. And so that was another lesson that has definitely informed the way that I mother. I will say, Dom, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm also thinking of ways in which my mother was lacking. I know that our moms did the best they could with what was available to them, even though it may not have been best for us. They did the best that they could based on the tools that they had at the time, you know, that they were raising us. And so even though she was lacking in some areas, I still learned from her. And although there were certain experiences that I had with my mom that I would never want my daughter to experience with me or from me, I am still doing the work on myself consistently. So I'm reading books about parenting, about discipline, about how to manage a toddler. I'm checking myself and also trying to be a conscious mother because I don't know if I'd have the same sensitivity that I have now if I didn't have those experiences with my mom and if she didn't show up the way that she showed up. If I if I had the perfect mom, I don't know how I would be today. So that's why I say I am grateful for the experiences, but I'm going to mother in a totally different way, but also taking some of the lessons that I do resonate with and respect and value. I think that that is so important, right? Is to recognize one, like you said, that our mothers did the best they could with what they had in the in that time, right? And it's, you know, it goes to that phrase, when you know better, you do better, right? And when I think of that phrase, when you know better, you do better, I look at it from a generational perspective, right? My mom was open to talking to us about, talking with us about sex. Because her mom wasn't wasn't equipped to do that, right? And so my expectation is that, I mean, I'm not a mom, but that when I look at my sisters, that they would look at how my mom raised us. And like you said, take the good and apply that, but then also take the bad and make sure that you don't repeat that. And, you know, one of the things that I think about is the, the, a mother's individual relationship with each of their children, right? And I talked about this earlier, but really one of the lessons that, one, the thing that I take away is recognizing that my mom had a different relationship with each of us, has a different relationship 
with each of us. And that that is to be expected because we are all different. But also within that, not putting the thing that I, the space that I'm in now with in my relationship with my mom is that my boundary is that I don't get involved in her relationships with my siblings. That I am going to be respectful of the dynamics that you all have. And my focus is on our dynamic. And so then my expectation is that that's respected, right? That I appreciate the relationships you have with each of my siblings. And I know that my relationship with you is different. And it's been that way from day one. And I think that oftentimes parents like to say, well, I don't have a favorite or I treat all my kids the same. And we know that the react that that's not the reality. That even if you treat all of your children equally, equally looks different for each child and what they need. And to me, that's the important thing is that recognizing that you will have a unique relationship with each of your children. And that's okay. That is totally okay. I love that, Don, because like you said, each per, each child is an individual that has their own unique needs. I guess in closing, I'll just say that, lady, think about what's something that you wish your mom or mother figure would have taught you. And how can you share that wisdom with another young person or women or folks that are in your life? I think money management would be one for me. Like I wish that I would have learned that from someone in a, an adult in my life. So we hope you enjoy the conversation, lady. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at Herspace Podcast. Lady, if you stayed until the end and you valued anything from this episode, don't be stingy, girl. Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple iTunes. That helps us to one, connect with you and know what you're thinking. And it also helps our ratings and it helps us find more amazing women like you to listen to the podcast. So support, please. We appreciate you and we hope to see you in the next episode. Now let's go to the after show, girl. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. 
I attract abundance and prosperity with ease.